Podcast. My name is Stuart Bothwell and I am joined as ever by Darren the Rising Tide Butter. How's it going, Darren? Why Rising Tide? Well, you seem to lift all sporting boats, don't you? You're an adoptive fan of the Cleveland Browns, your New Orleans Pelicans, your New South Wales Blues, and of course most recently the New Zealand Black Caps. So all teams which have been rudderless for some times, uh, in case in some cases decades. Uh, but all are now finding form at the same time. Yeah. After your backing, it's all down to you. I'd man. like to note that I did support nearly all of these teams since about 2010, at least, mm. when I moved here. And yeah. <laughs> when I started supporting the Blues, who are the state of origin rugby league team in Australia, they had lost eight years in a row. And yeah, they were very good. No, they still aren't very good. They've won one since, or twice since. So in the last eight years, they've won two out of eight and they yeah, were well, they're all just starting to come good now though aren't they oh, in the last second yeah it was quite good it was quite a good watch and then obviously the Pelicans had a chance to be good with Davis but they've got Zion now got a good trade they've got literally like 11 draft picks or something that they can trade mm. for good players and yeah I'm, I'm pretty happy and then the Browns we've, we've spoken about the Browns <laughs> yeah and then also the Black Caps and cricket, but you know, it's not sport yeah. per se, but uh, they've, you know, they're doing well. They've been okay for a while, but I only started watching cricket just before the last World Cup, and in the last two World Cups, the Black Caps have got to the final. So I'm taking that. Yeah, absolutely. I've not really seen, uh, so, them, seen them do badly. So if any, any listeners out there have uh, another sport uh, that they would like Darren to watch and support their ailing team, then by all means, let us know. And I'm sure he'll adopt them for you. Really sorry, but Aussie rules is just not happening. Sorry, guys. Oh, man. <laughs> well, well it's, it's, it's okay because you don't need to support my team because the West Coast Eagles are still doing just fine. Okay. I suffered a little bit of a setback against Collingwood the other day, but uh, yeah, we're all right. I feel like I can't claim the Hurricanes being any good since I started watching them because they were really good when I first started watching them. Then they got crap. And then they got good. Yeah, well, you, you, so. well you, you can't have you can't win them all, can you? No, no. the Phoenix have just generally been crap, so that's fine. It's not their <laughs> fault, though. They need to know they're going to be in the league for more than another year before they can sign any players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll um, hope. Hopefully, they will continue to exist because <laughs> I've not I've not been to enough games here yet. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they will because they've. It's not this podcast, man. <laughs> Could do a yeah, whole podcast on the state of the A League, but we're doing an NFL podcast <laughs> here. Maybe we'll do that as an aside at some point. Yes, but um, you're you're right. We should get back on track. Um, so today we're going to continue with our series on interesting teams that nobody's really talking about yet. Uh, this time we're going to go through the NFC teams. Uh, so the ones that we've selected are the Detroit Lions. The Atlanta Falcons, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the San Francisco 49ers. Um, but before we do that, uh, let's take a look at some of the news that we've got going on around the league. So, at the moment, um, recently, uh, Andrew, Andrew Beaton of the Wall Street Journal claims that NFL owners have proposed an 18-game regular season schedule with the caveat that no player would be allowed to compete in more than 16 games. So the thought process behind this seems to be that players don't play any more than they would during a regular 16-game season. Fringe players and rookies would uh, have to get some game time, and so it would also not increase the risk of injury for for any players that are already playing in the league. Uh, And also, and this is a key point, teams won't have to pay players any more money, 
other than perhaps uh, I think it's about a $15 million increase in the salary cap, which is fine. They can just spend that wherever they want to, really. Um, and, but coaches would need to incorporate this into their season game plans. Uh, but as a result, this could likely increase league revenue by an estimated $2.5 billion dollars. Darren, what's your thought on this particular idea, this concept? Oh, I love it, man. I love it. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great compromise, and I think it's going to add to the excitement of the league. I think it's a good idea. And I, as a fan, would, what what more do you want? There's more players to watch. There's more games. I think it's great. I'm, I'm all for it. What about in fantasy terms? When like uh, when would they have to reveal which games t- players aren't going to play in? Because if you've got uh, your 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 top quarterback in to play in week fifteen, but then the team says at the last minute, "Oh, actually, we're not going to play that person anymore. We're going to put someone else in," and you've already locked this person into your team. I think that mm. um, it has to. It would be that's really not an issue to the NFL owners. But it, <laughs> <laughs> I think from any fantasy, owner, I'm just poking if, holes. If you play um, any other fantasy, like NBA or um, you know Premier League, for example, then you always have three mm. alternates that come in when players are missing. Mm-hmm. So I think you just have to have that as a system where you know you got Matt Ryan as your quarterback, but then. He doesn't play because it's his week. Then you've got Cam Newton as your alternate. You know that's in big leagues when all the players are a bit more spread out. That might be a bit tough. But in like an eight eight team league, I think you'd be absolutely fine. You just got to be a bit more tactical, just like the coaches will have to be. Mm. But the, the one problem I would maybe have with this is what if you have a team that's absolutely blitzed it through the course of the entire season, and then they just like in the last game of the season, lay down by putting in all of their rookies and backups and stuff like that, which then ends up ruining uh, the chances of another team because uh, they've just like said it's it's okay. We were already in the playoffs. Well, doesn't that happen anyway? Because didn't um, the uh, Eagles play like Suffield and all their re- reserves against the the Cowboys a couple of years ago when they they do that already? Well, sometimes, but like. It's not necessarily a guarantee. Some teams do like to like at least keep some momentum going or have their their key players start for at least half of the game or something like that. Um, yeah, there's like it seems to me that it's something that could strategically be used in a way which is kind of anti-football. Um, that's the only things that I see in it. But I, I, perhaps the the league would have something which says that you know you, you have to maybe spread your um, your your changes around a bit or something like well, that. Well, maybe of course, maybe how would if you they say something that? like that, saying like you have to you have to do it in at least one home division game, or mm. you have to do it in at least one away, you know, alternate division game. Like you know, they mm. could maybe say you know certain games, but I think the whole point is they're trying to take away from the kind of last two games of the preseason, which are just kind of a waste of time to to the NFL owners anyway they're wanting to obviously get more games that mean something and mm. I just think it's just it'll take a bit of an adjustment but I think coaches will become very clever with it because um, what you meant to do as well you're going to have to have three quarterbacks on your roster because mm. you can't have the backup suited up Yeah. so you're going to have a game where the backup is the number three quarterback or the practice squad quarterback and then the next game, it's going to be the second quarterback 
with the backup quarterback. You know, it's it's there is going to yeah. be interesting, but I think coaches get paid a lot of money, and this is what they're going to be there for. And I think I'd rather there was more games, and we got to see mm. some of these quarterbacks that don't really get a chance. Like, can you imagine like Will Greer coming in to play against the Falcons away and winning the game even without Newton? And <laughs> like, there's there's loads yeah. of storylines. Well, he's going to do that anyway, of course. So. <laughs> and I think some teams are in much better position with things like that. Like the 49ers would have a great advantage having Garoppolo and Mullins as their mm. two quarterbacks, but then some teams won't because you'll have the Patriots of Brady and you know the the boy from um, Stidham from Auburn. You just don't know what that's going to look like. <laughs> like so, yeah, it can it can force teams to um, to showcase the, the the talent that they have on the rest of their roster, which could then result in some players who would otherwise not get a chance to show what they can do and perhaps earn themselves a contract uh, either with the team that they're with or a bigger deal in free agency uh, rather than just having people rely on just general scouting outside of actual NFL games. Especially, um, I, I, definitely see, I definitely see a benefit to it, but I think that it's something that the, the rules behind it would need to be very, very carefully looked at. Yeah, I think there'd be like a, a big betting component to it as well. So... This is the thing that the NFL, if they're going to start doing this, they're going to have to start speaking with the the um, do states that do betting and sports books and stuff because mm. that's where it's going to make a big difference. Um, yeah, and just in the interest of fair play, like you, it's not you're only play you're still only going to be playing eighteen games, so it's not like the you know the Premier League where there's like thirty eight games. So if you know. Man United play mm. Arsenal with a reserves one week, then it doesn't really make much difference to the rest of the league because there's still another 18 games that day. And you know, I yeah, there'll be things they have to sort out with it. But I just think the opportunity for the players that are maybe 38 to 53 on the depth chart and mm. and the opportunity to get win bonuses and it's I think it's a great deal for the players um, yeah. and the coaches will probably enjoy the having to do that tactically I think if you don't enjoy having to come up with new solve new problems then I don't think you wouldn't you should be a coach I think I think the actual teams will figure it out it's just yeah it's around the insurance the betting the fair, the fair play it's more operations mm-hmm. issues the NFL would have to come up with because this is something that the NFL owners are coming to the players with and not vice versa mm-hmm. I can assure you I think all of that will be solved in a very clever way before this even happens because it's going to have to be if they want to make mm-hmm. that 2.5 billion yeah. more more money yeah and like that, that's the thing when it comes down to billions of dollars more for um teams in the league you better believe they're interested in doing something about that and doing it quite quickly so i guess our our general thoughts seem to be it seems like a good idea but they're going to have to really hammer out this concept and get all of these little caveats like sorted out because there could be something just rife in there for uh, for abuse. I'm looking at you, Patriots. Um, I think the Patriots are going to turn <laughs> up to like play the Broncos' biggest division rival playing Stidham and all their reserves so that they get beat. So mm-hmm. the Broncos aren't going to be the team they play in the end. AFC divisional game. Yeah, is that what you're thinking? Of? You're thinking they're gonna? It's gonna be a big conspiracy against against. Oh, teams. absolutely. 
Well, it's, it's that whole, uh, yeah, like they're just they're going around the league doing what they can to manipulate it. Uh, I think it's, um, the guys in, around the NFL say that they've got um, they've got the rise in Operation Pink Pony, which is just that coaches from the Patriots go around and just sabotage other teams. Maybe they've got someone in. Uh, like in in the league office proposing these sorts of things as well. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, yeah, I I think it's like I say, I think it's good to at least have the dialogue about it. Look at changing these things. Uh, it could mean some really good things for the careers of some of the players, uh, and of course for the future of the game. Yeah, it's I think it's going to be great. Like you see, for example, say it's next year in San Francisco. After play two games without Garoppolo and Nick Mullins comes in and throws 300 yards in both of them. They might not win both games, but they come close. You know, next mm. time the a team needs a quarterback, you know, they're going to look at these games and go, oh, well, you know, he's there. No, he's, he's proved it. Whereas mm. right now, his career's kind of over if Garoppolo's, like, fully fit because he's not going to get another opportunity to play on the big stage unless it is coming in as a backup for another team. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens when he eventually hits free agency. If uh, if they don't decide to keep him around, uh, he looks like he'd be the sort of guy who would be coveted by many teams as a, a very least a high end backup. Packers. Um, yeah, well, they could do with one. I never know. Maybe maybe he's the one that they want to uh, want to succeed. Yeah, well, they've, uh, Rogers they've whenever they've he returns. Done okay with Pat East Mississippi. Have they? They've done, mm, they've done okay mm. picking up players from from that school. So yeah. Anyway, um, we'll move on from, from that news and on to the news that uh, Los Angeles Chargers running back Melvin Gordon is angling for a new contract. Uh, but he seems to be after a deal at a similar level to the league's elite backs. So Gordon had been offered a deal by the Chargers but rebuffed it, asking for a better deal. Now, the, the top-tier running backs, uh, contracts at least, belong to the likes of Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. Uh, even Devonta Freeman has a really high one, but we reckon that he's been offered money similar to the likes of Jarrett McKinnon, which is absolutely nothing to be sniffed at. That's a really, really good contract that he has. But the running back market in the league is really weird these days. And uh, Gordon says he wants to stay with the Chargers, but he wants to be fairly compensated. So where do we see this one going? Yeah, I'm not... I'm not sure. I don't think he's going to get what he wants. I just don't think he's there yet. Mm. Um, someone on, on football on NFL Twitter, um, Warren Sharp at Sharp Football, his um, comment, which has had a thousand retweets, was he's got Melvin Gordon. We're devalued, and then he's listed the top four expensive running backs in the league. So you have got Gurley replaced by C.J. Anderson after injury. We've talked about mm-hmm. that last time. David Johnson, yeah. number two, missed 15 of the last 32 games of injury. Number three, mm-hmm. Devontae Freeman, missed 16 of the last 32 games of injury. And McCoy has averaged 3.7 yards per carry in the last two years. Mm-hmm. And Le'Veon Bell, who... Oh, he's, I mean, he's uh, including Bell, because then... Bell's got the highest like efficiency rating and he never played last year. So we, we don't know about Bell. I think Bell. Yeah, but but then of course with Bell being out of the equation in Pittsburgh, you had uh, James Connor come in there and they barely missed a beat. So it's like, can can you just say, if you're the Chargers, okay, well you, you, we'd like to keep you around because we do we do value you, but we have this pot that can be used for other players who will actually play 16 games of a season. 
so, and we're also quite happy with the fact that Austin Eckler and uh, the other running backs there are actually pretty good as well. Like when Eckler had a chance last season, he was one of the better running backs in the league. But um, a, a fraction of the cost of what uh, what Melvin Gordon would get if he were to get a new contract. Like I think he could be one of the one of the guys who's just eventually allowed to walk. Yeah, maybe. Well, the PFF released something this morning, which was their um, war ranking for 2018 running backs, and they've not listed any names other than Kamara, who was number one. Salvin mm-hmm. Kamara was number one. Number two was around one pick. I'm assuming that's Barkley. Number mm-hmm. three was around four pick. Number four was around one pick. Five, round four. Number six was an undrafted free agent. Round number seven, around three pick. Number eight, an uh, free agent number nine around three number 10 around one 11 a free agent 12 around two 13 around one and then 14 was melvin gordon so you're wow. looking at what everyone except melvin gordon and kamara are on rookie deals or mm. well all of them except melvin gordon they're all on rookie deals every single one above them is still on their rookie deal mm-hmm. so Yes, that's wins above replacements. That's getting, well, getting ahead of the the expected yards on that play. Yeah, I, I think that running backs put in pound for pound more effort than many other players on on a team. But it, it's just one of these things that you do seem to be replaceable if you've got a half decent replacement. Uh, of course, not not all running backs are totally created equal. But if you've got a, a passing game that's good enough then that opens up things for the run game and I suppose vice versa but in, in the league these days the pass game is just far more important I would also say that it might be because he's on the chargers but Melvin Gordon just doesn't have the that box office I think mm. part of the reason why Bell and, and Gurley got paid is because they were box office and even Melvin Gordon's had comments about how he would walk around LA and people would be calling him Todd so there's, there is something there where he's in a town where people don't care about that team, unfortunately. I think we can mm. safely assume that. And he's just not a star in the same way. And that makes you replaceable, I think. If you're not bringing in like, the same because of jersey sales and that kind mm. of you know, recognition for the team to go with what you're doing on the field then you're just going to get paid middle-of-the-road stuff because where are they going to get the money back? Like, Yeah, you, exactly, you especially like, when you consider where they're going with all these uh, contracts. And they seem to be like creating uh, you know, something pretty pretty special there in, in Los Angeles. Um, I'll be like, he's really only had... Well, like last year was his best year, but he did miss uh, a lot of time. He was really well on pace to be a, a full-on Pro Bowl back. He had a, his highest yards per carry average. He had 10 touchdowns uh, rushing. He had four receiving. Um, it was looking excellent, really promising, before um, the wear and tear started to show. Yeah, um, Gurley's a tough one, because arthritis in the or whatever they think that is, that's... You wouldn't think that's mm. a, a common thing. And you've got to look at scheme. Like I think if you're to go with what the Rams were trying to do, you're looking at maybe Kamara, Gurley, Barkley, and then they're that's who they need. You know, they, if they want to run that way, they they want the star. They're in LA. They want to 
to win and have you know that kind of street cred, I guess. But so they mm. will peg early, and it's unfortunately it might not work because he's got this thing with his knee, and I don't think anyone would have expected someone who's twenty three years old to have that. So I can't say that's no. the norm. I think the norm's more likely to be if Bell continues to average four point five yards a carry on mm-hmm. everything he does and does get another like eighteen hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Bell would be the norm, I think, if he can do that this year. But then if he can't do it this year, then that really screws Melvin Gordon's situation because he can't do what Bell can do. So if Bell doesn't come in and light it up after getting paid, then it's really going to affect all of the running backs looking to get paid. Yeah. Uh, my my personal view on this is that Gordon's good when he's healthy, but he's rarely managed to put together a fully healthy season. Um, and like the, the guys they already have there behind them, I can I can see them just saying it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking about time to move on, Dak Prescott is saying that he won't give the Cowboys any mates rates contract deal uh, to stay in Dallas. Now, we've talked about our thoughts on Dak's contract situation before. Uh, I don't think he's even close to top tier. So, in a similar vein to Melvin Gordon, where do you see the Cowboys going with this? Well, they're going to pay him, but whether or not that's a good idea is... Um... Mm. It's a, another question. I think I said in the last part they should just play Kellen Moore. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be the offensive coordinator. He may as well just sell, go on the field. Um, what about um, trading for someone like the aforementioned Nick Mullins and just saying we'll pay you far less, uh, put you uh, behind one of the best offensive lines in the league, and an improved wide receiver core, and uh, see where you go. Here's the question: What is the likelihood that they just stick with Dak for another three years and then go with an untested rookie named Stephen Jones Jr. when he, <laughs> when he comes out of Arkansas? I, I don't know. Like, do you, do you, do you see that going that way? Well, he won. Um, he was Sports Athlete of the Year in Texas, so he's a mm-hmm. good player despite being, you know, the grandson of Jerry Jones. Um, mm, it, it sounds kind of kind of too good to be true. Uh, like whether that would happen or not, but yeah. maybe, maybe. I think they'll be aiming for it, similar to LeBron wanting to play with his son. You know, I think they'll at least try and get him in their team if he has a good, mm-hmm. if he's good at college, if he's like competitive. Um, no, I don't know. I, I I like Dak. I think he's in some ways similar to Mariota in the way that he hasn't quite been used properly. Um, and the issue with the Cowboys is, is if you have Zeke and Dak, and both of them are great runners and you had nothing on the outside for 10 games of the season. They were just putting 8-9 in the box. Nothing was happening for that team. And then he'd get frustrated and throw an interception. So with a couple of weapons on the outside and Zeke playing every game, maybe he can be worth at least like 27 a year, but if he's going to be, he's not going to get, he might get it, but he doesn't deserve Rodgers or Wilson money. Yeah. I mean, Which is what he's last, saying. Last he's season. saying he's not going to take a yeah. discount, so he's expecting to get be the next highest paid player. If I was the, the Cowboys, I would do it. If they're going to pay him, it they have to do what the Forty ers did with Garoppolo and what um, the Cardinals did with Rosen, and just pay him literally sixty, seventy percent of it up front. Mm-hmm. So they can say to him, "Hey, yeah, look, just, we'll give yeah. you a Kirk Cousins deal." Um, mm-hmm. So we'll give you eighty-five million guaranteed for the next, you know, three years or whatever. But we're going to give you fifty-five million of it right now. 
and it's up yeah, to you just to get, get, get a financial advisor and buddy keep that money because if you get crap in the <laughs> next two years then we're going to bin you and just take the 10 million hit yeah I think that's what they're going to have to do but that what that does is it puts a lot of pressure on them now because they want to win now and they won't be able to pay anyone next year if they're going to have to pay Dak the excess of this deal so if they're paying, going to pay him like 50 million with a you know well 30 million with a 20 million signing bonus and they've got to find that 20 million next year so who who do they lose? Do they lose you know, you know Frederick if he comes back? Do they lose mm. um, Cooper? Like and then they're just in the same problem they were in before. So yeah, it's a tough one. And Jerry Jones isn't usually the type of person that will, you know, unless he really likes them, that will be held yeah. hostage. So I think he's being an idiot to be honest. Because I would, if I was him, he, he's in Texas. Jerry Jones will get him some commercial deals. Take twenty five million a year for five years, and give your team a chance to win. I don't. I don't. Yeah. He was a fourth round pick, and he only he got to play ahead of the boy. What the you know the boy wonder. He got to play ahead of Jerry mm. Jones's son, and yeah, I I think he should. He owes that franchise a lot. They've stuck with him, and the fact that he's coming out and saying, "Hey, I'm not getting. I'm not giving them a discount." Is it, mm-hmm. to me, it just sticks of you know it sticks my craw it's not what I not what, not, it's not what I would do in that no, situation it's certainly not a Tom Brady move or anything is it yeah. um, I would honestly uh, I'd literally go to him and say hey Pepsi they do some adverts get me 15 million for three years of adverts with Pepsi and I'll give you 25 million a year yeah like I mean, I'm pretty Brady sure he's does. getting a lifetime supply of, uh, of Campbell's soups off of his most recent endorsement deal uh, so he'll never need to buy food again. <laughs> just eat soup. We'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, soup and yogurt. That's what he's going to sustain himself on going forward. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, like I say, I, I don't think he's worth that money, but like, they might just say, how much have we got in the cap? Uh, can, we, can we afford to just give it a go just now, see if it pans out, see if he does become the player that we want him to be? But that's, that's three years into his uh, NFL career now, and... Not, not enough to justify to me that he should be getting paid that sort of money. Um, like, like I said, I think he's decent, but he's like top 20. Uh, and well, I, I, I just feel that you can get something, that you can get better value than Dak Prescott right now. Well, let me ask you this. If you were to go to the other 32 teams, of 31 teams, and take, not their starter, but their next player, who do you think could come in and do what Dak does? Mm. Not including next year's draft. I'm not talking about the draft for another twelve months. So, <laughs> who who could come in like as a, who's currently a backup and at least get them wins over the Redskins and Giants and a couple of road wins? Oh, let me think. So we're talking about best backup quarterbacks around. Um, uh, Jacoby Brissett, I'd maybe say would be an interesting one to get in there. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is still sitting with the Saints as the potential heir apparent there uh, quite like Nick Mullins uh, Ryan Tannehill's at the Titans um, if you put him in the right situation Tannehill, you think would, do be, well. Tannehill would be my choice he's played in playoff games mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you'd only have to pay uh, him like 8 million a year or something yeah I'm like, I mean who, who else would you put in there like Case Keenum with the right uh, situation. Maybe no, give I've... Robert Griffin the third a shot. You know, 
Um, I'd love RG3 to go back to Texas and do well for the Cowboys. I don't think yeah. But um, I wouldn't give Case Keenum another go. Like, I wouldn't. Mm. I think he's, he's had his shot. He's had his run. Yeah. I just, every time I see Case Keenum, people mention him, I just remember bloody Texans and. Yeah. I don't remember the Vikings. <laughs> it's not what comes yeah. to mind. It's the first four episodes of All or Nothing LA Rams and it's the <laughs> and it's the Texans. I, I just and I think that a lot of people see it that way, unfortunately for him. I just Yeah, he wouldn't be mm. who I'd go to. But um That's okay. He's, he's made some money, so he's, he's alright. But yeah, I, I would say that my, my top ones would be uh, see if you can get Jacoby Brissett from the Colts or Teddy Bridgewater from the Saints, uh, as your potentials Tan Hill would be good as well and uh, I, I still think that Nick Mullins has got something um, to, to to show there as well so those would be my top guys and I would actually take I would take them over Dak Prescott providing that you got a, a decent enough contract uh, situation for them yeah and then just spread spread your um, spread your money elsewhere getting better wide receivers to help them out yeah they've definitely got to do that um, mm-hmm do they even have Switzer anymore? I don't even know who plays for them on that wide receiver anymore. They're um, they're not very strong. They've got no. You, you yeah. You, you still got um uh, uh Amari Cooper, and uh, they picked up uh Randall Cobb from oh. the Cobb Packers. Cobb can be all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing's standing out here. Alan Hearns, if he his legs facing the right way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Michael Gallup, they're hoping for good things from him, but yeah, like it, it's 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 not a roster that I have jumping out at me saying, "Hey, look at all these amazing wide receivers who play consistently over the course of their entire careers." You got Tavon Austin in there as well. Amari, Amari Cooper had, like worked some serious magic when he was there last season. And really help turn things around, uh, but he's going to need help, and you're going to need Randall Cobb from five years ago uh, before that goes any better. And like he's a like to me, he's a slot guy as well. You're going to want Alan Hearns to uh, step up a, f- a phenomenal amount because he was rubbish last season. And like, like I say, they're still hoping for something from Michael Gallup as well. Yeah, I think they just need to really invest their money in getting Sean Lee some bionic legs or something to. Keep him on the field because oh, yeah. it makes such a difference when he's not there. Oh, uh, stick him in at wide receiver. Oh, just play him, play him six yeah. downs a game. Just play him yeah. Yeah. three downs on you've offense got, got... and three downs on defense. Yeah, you, you've got to get him on the field. Uh, so yeah, just stick him on there. Okay. Um, so moving on, um, in some rather sad news, former NFL defensive tackle Albert Hainsworth posted on his Instagram this week that his uh, kidneys have failed and he's in dire need of a donor. Uh, so Hainsworth, who's just 38 years old, uh, last played in the NFL in 2011. He was a monstrous interior lineman with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, say, a real run-stuffer, uh, like an endamican Sue of his day, uh, and like really, really plugged up the middle. Uh, and he, were, he was then moved on uh, in a massive free agent deal with the Washington Redskins, where he then became... A bit of a punchline, really, in that uh, his his lack of work ethic became very obvious, and the skins never really saw a half, even a half decent return on their investment. But of course, this is not a football issue. This is a very serious human issue, 
And uh, we at Fourth and Forever would like to send our best wishes to Albert and his family and hope that he gets the help that he needs. Yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment. It's a, it's a sad thing to see someone that big and that powerful in his day going through such a, such a traumatic medical thing. Yeah. Just yeah, anyone ever having to deal with that is horrible. Yeah, it's tragic. Um, anyway, um, now, now that we've uh, skipped through the news, uh, let's get into talking about the NFC teams that people are not really talking about much this offseason who deserve to be talked about this offseason. And we'll kick things off with the Detroit Lions. I'm kind of going to struggle to speak about them because there's just not much to get excited about. Or is there? So well, these guys might like be heading towards being league pass team where I feel like drafting Marvin Jones just to watch a team I don't normally watch in my fantasy. Mm. Just so can, yeah, well, I, 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 I certainly rate Marvin Jones like very highly. I think he's a, a bright spot on an otherwise um, rather dull looking offense. Uh, I certainly don't rate Danny Amendola outside of playing for the Pats in the playoffs. Uh, I think every team needs a good slot wide receiver these days, and I don't really think he's one of them. Um, I'm very interested to see how they implement T.G. Hawkinson at tight end, because obviously you know Patricia's worked on a team with the, the best tight end that there's ever been in Rob Gronkowski. I'll give him that. Um, so surely they'll be looking to really make make use of him this season. So apparently. Uh, um, TJ Hawkinson was sat for a training session because he tried to catch mm. a ball like somersaulting one-handed when he was completely open in the red zone as a joke and he dropped it and he got yeah. sat for like four hours. So you can see the yeah. kind of Patriots kind of thing coming through, but uh, you got to let TJ yeah, Hawkinson just, just catch the ball. <laughs> I think he's your best player. Um, even coming mm. out as a rookie is probably going to be their most effective weapon. So, it's. I do, I do agree with the whole thing about just saying to him, just don't don't f- around here anymore. Sorry, I have to bleep that bit. Out. Um, <laughs> we've, we've because been, it's, it's, it's serious. It's, it's the team. So we need to we need to catch the ball, mate. Yeah. You you got to take this seriously, and obviously Matt Patricia takes it seriously. Hawkinson's got to get that into his head pretty quickly that you know this is a this is a job right now and he's going to get paid a lot of money to do something effectively and if you're messing around it's not going to work for you. I, I think that's just going to be something he's going to get in his head and they're going to move on from it and he is going to be a big contributor. I think if you look at it from a one one or even a, a two one three they've got Jesse James and Hawkinson as tight ends and then they've got you know um, Carry on Johnson at the back and. Marvin Jones. Yep, your boy, Kerry on Johnson. I love, I love Kerry on Johnson. He was so fun in college, and they've got da- Danny mm. Amendola. Like, they do have a starting lineup. It's once one of those boys gets injured that we're starting to go. Okay, well, I don't know what else you've got really. It's, t- it's starting mm. to get really, really um, weak, and yeah, they're in a pretty tough well, like division. Kenny- yeah, Kenny Galladay is uh, a guy I was hearing quite a bit about last season, and like he could be one of these guys to, you know, make the leap, be a bit more, you know, of a, of a big play sort of guy. Um, but yeah, he's just got to prove it a bit more. I think he did get over a thousand yards last season, but in the NFL these days, that's just kind of like a hey, you're quite good sort of deal. Um, 
I, I actually expect C.G. Anderson to get a fair amount of touches in the backfield, just to kind of spell for carry on. Yeah, well, carry on is uh, not a power back. He's, a, he's more of a cross nah, back. A, so, yeah. C.G. Anderson put his head down a lot, I think. Yeah. I think um, on, on defense, uh, I kind of worry a bit. Like outside of Snacks, Harrison stuffing the run game and Darius Slay on the outside, I don't see too much in the way of positives, apart from potentially Trey Flowers, of course. But I've seen it far too many times that like big players like him, they make it big in New England, leave for big money, and then you know re- regress uh, like to you know just not as not the same sort of players they were before. But I do think that Trey Flowers can buck that trend. Because he did just look so good last season. He was so good in so many areas that you'd think that surely he can't be, he can't get any worse. And he got <laughs> He's to just, choose he was that good. Going. Like you look at like Collins and players like that that have come out of the New England Patriots. You know, they've been sent to the Cardinals, to the Browns, you know, like Belichick has a, a knack of sending really good players to teams that aren't gonna challenge him. And mm. Trey Flowers is actually going to a team where he's going to be with one of his old coaches and they have a chance to get mm. some wins. So I think he should buck that trend. He was just so good last season that it's hard to see him not just doing the same thing again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do I do think he's going to do well, but it's just, even if that is the case, that's still only three guys on a team that I just have very little confidence in. Uh, like I say, I, I do really rate Darius Slay and, uh, Damon Harrison is like really good through the middle, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really concerned about the Detroit Lions. I don't think they're going anywhere this season, other than in the same direction as they were going last Six season. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Um, so next up, we have the Atlanta Falcons, and after a very disappointing season last year. Uh, changes have been made with Steve Sarkeesian out at offensive coordinator being replaced by Dirk Cutter. Uh, people perhaps have a right to be excited given the explosive nature of Tampa's season last year. Um, but it was really quite a strange season if you were in Tampa Bay. Um, but they've, they've really, really invested in the offensive line with uh, their first, so with their two first round picks uh, going into the, the right side with Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. Uh, Tevin Coleman has left the building, so expect to see a lot more of Ito Smith and uh, Ken John Barner this season. Uh, the defense really needs to be more consistent, uh, but they aren't bad, definitely not. And having likes of Dion Jones back will be absolutely huge for them, for a team really missed out on him last season. Uh, other notable absentees from last season included safeties Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen, who are also both back. And uh, you mentioned just... Uh, off mic before we started uh, that Matt Ryan did have a sneaky MVP season last season but it didn't matter because the defence was so shocking and they kept just scraping losses uh, wherever they could yeah that's, that's one way to put it um, <laughs> I was reading somewhere that uh, Atlanta were really disappointed in, in their um, game management last season um, mm-hmm. can't say that I watched them with any great, like, in-depth... Didn't know we were going to be doing a podcast a year ago, so didn't really see too much, (laughs) as much of them as I probably would this season. But um, they are bringing in someone, I think someone from Alabama, to do nothing but help with game management and teach the players when they should be taking timeouts and um, 
and coaches, because Dan Quinn being a defensive-minded coach, I think he had a few. I think I remember one against the uh, the Panthers where they just left Cam Newton just too much time to come back up the field before half time, mm. and they equalised. So I think that yeah. was a huge problem for them last year, and they've actually made you know front office and coaching decisions around no, we can't. This division's too tight. These aren't mistakes we can make. So. It looks like yeah, they're, they're I starting agree to make the right decisions on, on how they're mm. setting up their teams. But I think we can't downplay the fact last year that the hole that not having Kyle Shanahan leaves. Like, yes. And then bringing in someone who was quite, quite, you know, milk. <laughs> he was very milky. Milk, milk toast. He was, he was milk and toast. Um, Sarkeesian, he wasn't, you know, they weren't very um, creative on offense no. last year and in a division well, like, they're what, in, you know, they need to be. Yeah. What 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 they did, they obviously still produced on offense at a relatively consistent level. Um but like you say, there was there was nothing particularly flash about it. Um, but like the, the the defense was the main problem last season, defense and game management, and that that game management thing I think is actually a massive step because as a as a Denver Broncos fan, I managed to watch Vance Joseph absolutely throw games away on poor clock management for several seasons, and uh, it's so infuriating when it's something that the fans can even see and just be like, "What what are you doing? What are you playing at?" So this seems to me like a a, a good. Uh, a good change. Yeah, so uh, they're clearly saying it's Bob. That they... Bob Sutton's come in to do that job. He's come in to be an executive assistant to Dan Quinn, and okay. that's his whole job. So he's game management coach, Bob Sutton from Kansas. Is State. that um? He used yeah, to yeah, be a Kansas State defensive yeah. coordinator. Yeah, and he was he was quite like he was in charge of uh, one of the worst Kansas City defenses that's uh, <laughs> that there's been, but. Um, like that, whether you put that down to being his fault or not is uh, up for debate. But uh, that doesn't say that he's not good at doing something. Uh, if all he's really doing is being good at clock management, then yeah, good idea. Yeah, I just, I think <laughs> I've mentioned this before. I think I mentioned it when we were doing the draft coverage, but I just don't understand why a team so loaded on offense with a franchise quarterback in held in on a massive con- long-term contract have a defensive-minded head coach. I just, mm. I just, I think usually you go for a defensive-minded head coach when you're like the Broncos, and you know that your defense is much stronger than your offense, and you need to cement that so you can start building the offense over time. That lot well, of Falcons are if, there on their done. offense. They yeah. need someone creative to to run that. And I just, I, I might have got rid of Dan. If I was the GM, I might have got rid of Dan Quinn over the summer. I don't, I don't think Dan Quinn's particularly bad and I, he wasn't calling the, the plays on offense last year um, I, I don't know how involved he is in the offense but uh, it's, it's his defense that was so so woeful last season and needs to needs to really step up of course a lot of that was down to injuries uh, don't do not ever underestimate the loss of Dion Jones in the middle there that was a, a horrendous loss for the entire season last year um, but um, with, with Dirk Cutter coming in, if he can consistently get out of these guys what he occasionally got out of the, the offense in Tampa Bay last season, then you could be expecting fireworks. And with with the core that they have there, with uh, Julio, Calvin Ridley, and, um, and, and that Mo Sanu, 
wide receiver. Uh, they've invested heavily in the offensive line. Uh, it's, it's a pretty decent-looking offensive line if the likes of Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry can, uh, can contribute early. It's not something which happens too often, but there's a possibility of it. And uh, Austin Hooper looks really good at tight end. Hopefully he'll be able to stay fit. And, uh, yeah, like... Um, I, I, I do have a sneaky good feeling about them this year, but I think they're going to be good. I, I have loved um, Mosenu's social media game recently. He's, um, I think he's on a mission to prove he's the 40th best quarterback in the NFL as a wide receiver because <laughs> he's just slobbing 40-yard bombs into bins, throwing touchdowns over houses. He's just having a great time, and he has actually scored a couple of touchdowns in his career. So, um, hmm. so yeah, he's. Um, He's been making a name for himself on his Instagram, but he's a great player. They have a really good team. They um, mm-hmm. they have a good team and offensively. Um, they've got obviously Mac from the Browns at center, mm-hmm. and they have the potential. I think they're going to be a boomer bust fantasy team for so many people. Like especially mm-hmm. in like what we're going to be doing, scoring. Like, do you want Hooper? Do you want Ryan? If they do well, you're mm. going to win games. If they don't, you're going to lose games. Um, yeah. So and, and it's in in that division is brutal as well because obviously the, the Saints must be considered one of the favourites for the Super Bowl again this year. Uh, the, the Carolina Panthers like are, are they trending up? Um, we don't really don't really know. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where are they going to go? Is is this going to be the year that Jameis puts it all together uh, under Bruce Arians? It's it's hard to say, but certainly whenever you go to any of these places, it's there's no pushover. No, definitely not. Like, I'd probably rank the Falcons as second, but in, in that division, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, they are definitely um, one of the teams that are capable of snatching a win from the Saints. And if they if they snatch a home win against the Saints and do well against everyone else, then they're going to be a playoff team. I think just because mm. of the the level of that division, they're just going to be ultra competitive if they can even just compete in their own division. So, yep, it's going to be a big season for them. I think if they miss the playoffs, Dan Quinn will be gone. I think this is mm. his yeah, his last chance to kind of get this right. Um, and he, I don't think you're going to have that injury bad luck again. I'd hope not. If they do, mm. I'd start questioning their um, conditioning and facilities. Um, yeah, which I know has not really been an issue in the in the NFL because of the, the amount of money they have. Um, every team mm-hmm. has, but it's been a massive issue in the NBA around you know the conditioning and facilities available. It's one of the reasons why Anthony Davis didn't want to resign with the Pelicans. He didn't think they had mm. enough facilities to keep him from getting injured. Um, mm. And they had it, they've had issues at Charlotte and some of the other teams. You know. It's, it's becoming these players who are becoming their own brands. They want to be on the field as much as possible. Yeah, you have to. If you are a team that are constantly having issues with injuries, uh, Cowboys, Falcons, te- players are going to stop coming. Mm-hmm. Especially players that have had recent injuries or are on that bubble where they're getting a one-year deal to prove it, kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it makes like. A- like a Tyra Matthews sort of deal. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Like you want to know that you're taken care of, and mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. They can't have injuries again this year, and they can't hide behind it if they do. They've just got to make the playoffs. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would have them down as maybe being the, the, the top wild card team in the, the NFC this year because I, I still think that uh, the Saints are going to win this division. But um, yeah, there's still a, a, an awful lot to play for there. I'd say if they get to the if they get to the wild card, and then they have Saints in the divisional game, they have a chance mm-hmm. of making the playoffs, uh, making the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, because mm-hmm. they were probably one of the only teams at that point that's going to be able to beat the Saints just because of know your enemy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sticking in the NFC South, the aforementioned Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, have not been getting much chat. Like crickets, uh, man, crickets. Yeah, there's not really much going on there, but um, there's certainly a lot more going on than people have been giving them credit for. So is this the last shot for Jameis in Tampa Bay, or is it spewa for Tua time? Uh, like, I hope that that starts trending somewhere. I, don't, I might have to workshop it a little bit again, but you know what I'm trying to say. So, his name uh, is, Tom, we... is Tonga Vailoa. Like, is it really that difficult to pronounce this? <laughs> yeah. Easy. Um, it doesn't work when so, it's spewa for Tua Tonga Vailoa. No, exactly. It's got to be a little bit more snappy. Uh, but like the, the whole suck for luck campaign back in the day was perfect. Uh, we need to find uh, something to work in this particular setup. Look, if the if the um, Buccaneers go zero for four or like one for three, then I am all for us buying some some t-shirts with that on it. But spewer for two, <laughs> we can get them printed. We'll put them in our own store and start making some real money. Definitely, I'd, I'd like to see how you spell it to make it work. Though. Uh, well, I, I've gone S P E W hyphen A space four space two a so far. So it's spoo ah uh, spoo ah uh, four two uh. ah. <laughs> yeah, I am so sorry. I don't know. Uh, we might so... have to be able. To, might have to get some marketing wizard for us to help us with that because I don't know if that's going to work. But that's yeah. Uh, well. Maybe, maybe much like the the Minka Fitzpatrick uh, uh, trademarking of Fitzmagic, maybe we can do this one. Get ahead of the game, definitely. But going into Tampa Bay, I don't really care about Winston. I think he's got a chance now to, with a new coordinator, to to do something. But mm. for me, it's all about you know you get Devin White, who's probably the most rated to play prospect in the draft. You get you've got Godwin, who didn't he just win the like hunt. 40 yard dash golden bell thing so they've yeah <laughs> some really good players yes that thing <laughs> they just have to kind of they, they were doing well last year I, yeah I, well they were doing strangely like they were like putting up all sorts of records in terms of point scoring and yardage um but then then they would have games where they would have over 500 yards of offense and only get two field goals out of it it was Bizarre, um, and you had Ryan Fitzpatrick absolutely lighting up the league for five games of the season, and then being utter garbage for the rest of it. And then Jameis would come in, and his average depth of target would be like sixty yards away. Um, it's ridiculous. But now that you've got someone like Bruce Arians in there who can, like, maybe steady this ship and change someone like Jameis into uh, like the sort of thing he did with Carson Palmer in Arizona. Uh, and having Byron Leftwich getting his first true shot in an offensive coordinator role, um, there's an awful lot that's changed in that organisation, and you should see something very, very different. But um, yeah, this is this is Jameis's last shot to stake his claim as a starter and earn himself a new contract. Um, otherwise, I think he's just going to be out in his arse. 
But you, know, you mentioned Chris Chris Godwin, um, who is an excellent co-star to Mike Evans, who is just a, an absolute monster in his own right. And O.J. Howard has real potential to be one of the best tight ends in the league with his skill set. Uh, Ronald Jones hasn't worked out at running back yet. Well, so that was, at the moment, you've still got Peyton Barber in charge there. That was going to be what I was going to say, is that I know that we were talking earlier about um, Melvin Gordon and that, but God, if you don't have a good running back room, God, it makes a difference. <laughs> like I know they say that running backs are or you know, replaceable, and you can swap them around. But if you haven't got anyone to put in, mm, you have to have you have to have the right level, which is just like average-ish. That's it. Yeah, so like got... you, you don't you don't need someone totally stellar. It, it helps, but in terms of how much money you can put into that, or or spread amongst other players in the team, um, yeah, you, you, a lot of like some running backs are really asking for an awful lot more than is actually worth it for the team. Yeah, it's, I'm just looking at it, and obviously Peyton Barber can can do some stuff, but the most recognisable name in their um, running back room is Andre Ellington, mm. and he's been injured for about five years. I I just I don't. I don't see it. I just don't think you can be successful with this running back room. It puts far too much pressure on Winston. Mm. Like if you were talking about Melvin Gordon doing an NBA thing, sign and trade kind of thing, I'd be yeah. Tampa Bay for sure. Tampa Bay should just throw a couple of second round picks and go and get Melvin Gordon and pay him because they have nothing. That that could really change that team, um, but I, I guess it depends on just how. How are they looking for for salary cap space at the moment? Um, well, they're looking at um, everything I'm reading is that they want Duke Johnson, but the Browns are playing hard because mm. they want to keep Duke because I think they're just going to go all out this year with as much talent as physically possible. Also, the Browns don't really want to go up Duke Johnson when they've only got Cream Hunt for eight games. Mm. So you might find that they'll trade for someone like Duke Johnson at the trade deadline. Or is there even a trade deadline? I don't even know. But at some, oh, the trade, trade deadline's like week six of yeah, the NFL season. At some some like point so. this season they might trade for him, but it's still not enough. I think yeah, they need a they need a star. We talk about like needing mm. to pay running backs and you don't need to pay them. This is a team that has been without a star at this position for a long time. And now like no two two seconds because uh, you say you say that, but then if you look at the actual offensive line, you have now, stop me when you recognise a name. Uh, Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, Caleb Beninoch, and Damar Dotson. I think I recognise Dotson, but other than that... Dotson's about the only one that you recognise there. And looking through the, the rest of the, the depth chart there, uh, I see very little that I recognise, apart from the name Cole Boozer, which, just because it's a funny name. Everything else, it's like... I, I don't know... What, but to me, they they need to improve on that offensive line. Yes, but they're not going to be able to do that <laughs> with this short <laughs> short notice before the start of the season, which is a you know it might be a something that kills them before they even start. But mm. right, even then, I think you can mask some gaps with a Barkley or you know with a Kamara, but. They they can't even mask it because they just don't have anyone that's going to do anything out of the ordinary. I 
I feel sorry for Mike Evans. <laughs> yes. Go over just... don't, don't, don't feel too sorry because he is getting paid. So but that's you want to win games. In the hardest divi- yeah. One of the hardest divisions in the NFL. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, like, you, you touched on um, Devin White uh, being a, a fantastic pickup. It was one of our favorite picks of the draft this year. I think um, in, in terms of what middle linebackers do, uh, they, they can be kind of dime a dozen. But Devin White is one of these guys who can absolutely change the position there. Um, so, uh, and he'll be going on a defense which now has Ndamukong Sue, which has replaced Gerald McCoy, who were very similar players, really, but perhaps McCoy was more consistent over the course of his uh, career. Um, maybe it's a slight regression there, but he, in linebacking terms, you've also got Shaq Barrett coming in from the Denver Broncos and Levante David, who's been uh, a, a stalwart for that side for quite some time. But the real problem is in the defensive backs group. So yeah, they um, really, really need Vernon Hargraves to step up and show what he's made of because he was worth a, a very high pick previously a few seasons ago. And they've gone and invested in Sean Murphy Bunting to be a, what needs to be an instant starter. Otherwise, the receivers are just going to continue to run all over them for the entire season. And when you're in a division which includes Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, and, uh, oh, sorry, they don't have anyone in Carolina. But yeah, the, that's uh, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult for them. Yeah, like the only, to be honest, the only real name I recognise um, on the on that side of things for them is um, Carlton Davis, but that's only because he played for Auburn. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not not great. Um, they like just the, seem the to be doing front the, the opposite. Okay, but they seem to be doing the yeah. opposite of what PFF tells people to do, which is you know stock up on offensive linemen and get yourself some cornerbacks. Um, yeah, they haven't done either of those things, and they haven't really done much of anything. Yeah, I'm trying I to remember who, who they, front, who but, they yeah. drafted, like other than Devin White. Like it's uh, the, the Sean, Sean Murphy Bunting, Devin White. Um, oh yeah, Bun- Bunting could be there? good. We just don't know. He's like a div two cornerback, but apparently he's better than the the picks that we thought were going to be <laughs> high <Yeah>. high <laughs> cornerbacks. He's picked higher than Greedy Williams, who was picked higher than um, the Cardinals boy. So. Mm. I can't remember his name. Can you remember his name? Oh, Cardinals. Uh, the cornerback, uh, Byron Murphy. Yes, that's the one, yeah, Byron Murphy. So many players in this league, Jesus. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, like, <laughs> we've, 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 like, we're not that far removed from our uh, our, our, our draft um, analysis, but uh, we're far enough removed that it's fried our brains anyway. So we're we're, we're done. <laughs> yeah, there are there are draftees in this team. They might be good. They might not. It's usually a fifty fifty hit. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Anyway, so th- th- this year does seem like there's been wholesale changes. Bruce Arians has inherited a, a roster with some talent, but there's going to need to be some big changes going forward in uh, in that defensive backfield in particular. And we re- we also reckon that they could do with a completely revamped offensive line and a running back. But other than that, you know, there's some some good players there, and if Devin White is as good as a lot of people seem to think he is, he could just be a one-man wrecking machine that really helps take that uh, that that core to another level. Yeah, I I can see his career though. I can see him doing four years, getting franchise tagged, 
and then going on to a one-year prove-it deal with the Patriots in year six. Oh, God. Because he played for a crap team that, and no one really wants to sign him. Oh, no. Stop, stop bringing the Patriots into these things. You always make me cry. <laughs> That's, I'm worried for him. Um, but maybe the power, player empowerment era is coming to the NFL. Maybe he can get himself off this team if they continue to be the way they are. But maybe. Not, we'll I'm see not, what happens look, with bargaining agreements look, going forward. I will say that if I will buy their kit if they make it to the playoffs. I will support this team in the playoffs if they make it to the playoffs. They're not, make, really? they're not, making, the, can... they're not making the playoffs. It's not happening. This yeah, I was, I was about, I was about to say, you're enough. feeling pretty safe with that, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> like, you must be because that kit is quite horrendous. Yeah, I would never wear it. Like, you can't wear it with jeans. Like Seriously, what are you going to wear it to the gym? Oh, man. Like, it's oh. not good. Are, are we going to have to have some sort of uh, like put your money where your mouth is like bet sort of on the go at some point where we have to select something which we would both find horrendous and uh, but like obviously make it very unlikely but if it does happen you've got to do it oh yeah we'll think about this one for another time I've got a couple of other things that uh, we've got on the, the back burner that we might uh, bring forward and uh, some, some money where your mouth is might be an interesting one to do going forward <laughs> yeah other than the Browns at the moment I only really want maybe a Rogers top and a Barkley top. I can't mm. I can't think of any anyone else I would wear than the Browns at the moment. So You know want a Joe Flacco top? Uh no. Alright then. Uh <laughs> I don't think you want this podcast is over. <laughs> Not, not yet. I, even if he was fantastic, I still wouldn't get it because I, I just don't think just that the, one the year name right and number on. looks great. Yeah, maybe. Like, uh, like I say, I, I, I'm not ruling out Joe Flacco being a fantastic upgrade. Um, but uh, yeah, well, hopefully we'll get you a Drew Locke top in three years' time after he's made the playoffs a couple of years in a row. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Lock it in. Hashtag lock it in. Uh, oh, look at these moving... T-shirt ideas we're just coming up with. <laughs> yeah absolutely it's too easy like we need jobs as uh, headline writers or like can you can you get a job just writing hashtags you just have to make the t- t-shirt designs see if they, they stick I think social media is quite a good testing point for that kind of thing mm, yeah good idea that's it okay scribbling. we haven't really spoken about Tampa Bay but that's fine can we move on to the next team please <laughs> <laughs> I think we've spoken about them a bit oh, there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think we fancy their chances too much this season, but I do think they are going to be an improvement. Yes, but they won't be purely as because fun. of the coach. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, but- they will still be fun. If they're if they're as fun as they were for stretches of last season, then they're going to be interesting to watch. And that's all I really want from a neutral team: just be interesting. Yes, and there's interest there. So yes, like you say, moving forward, the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Now, this is something which I think you maybe are a little bit more invested in due to your man crush and Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, he's, um, he's a babe. I love him. Oh, oh, baby. Oh, baby. He made me watch the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> which is really saying something. Like, I, I, I ignored him until he was out of there. But uh, yeah, once he got his, uh, his shot with San Francisco and started to change things around there, he certainly got me to stand up and take notice. So his return and some new faces and a scary pass rush is the order of the day there. Um, certainly the forgotten team in the much-changed NFC West. Um, for me, their offense cannot, cannot succeed without a strong offensive line, and that's what they have. 
uh, with uh, Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey, really, really solid bookends at left tackle and right tackle. But they're in a division where they've got to deal with Aaron Donald twice a year. So they're going to struggle there. But perhaps they just say, well, everyone's going to struggle against Aaron Donald, so why even try? Um, but I like where they're going with uh, the wide receiving group. So Debo Samuel is is good. Like I think he seems to be a good fit for me. Uh, Jordan Matthews maybe finally found himself a home. And uh, Mark, Marquise Goodwin can really, really stretch the field if given the opportunity to stay on there. But um, my favourite player on that <laughs> roster right now, aside from Jimmy G, is George Kittle, who just absolutely blew up last year with a record amount of yards for a tight end. Uh, I think he put over 200 yards up past the Broncos last season, which is no mean feat. And now they're going to have Jarek McKinnon back in the backfield, and they've also brought in Tevin Coleman. But their defense is where things are starting to go crazy. So, yeah, we've not even begun, not even scratched the surface of all the improvements they've made. Getting Nick Bosa in the draft to go on the opposite side from DeForest Buckner... Uh, they've got D Ford in there and Eric Armistead. That's a scary, scary combination. And when you've got Richard Sherman on the outside, he's still good enough to be locked down a lot of the time. And uh, they're just going to have to hope that Jimmy Ward is not going to be out for too long. Uh, they did bring in Quan Alexander from the Buccaneers as well, who's a bit of a, a bit of a wild card. But um, yeah, man, there's been a lot going on at San Francisco, and a lot of it is looking pretty boom for me. Yeah, and. You know you're in a good position when you know you've got players on contracts and in situations where you can go out and literally just take a punt on someone like Jason Verrett. Yeah. So Jason Verrett hasn't played many games, but... When he has. 49ers don't really need him to. They're bringing him in and going, look, we have a good team already, but if Jason Verrett can play, then we're even better. And having Quan Alexander, having D Ford... This is a good team. And their division... The Rams can be had um, at times. And the Seahawks always struggle against the 49ers. Mm -hmm. I think if they can get it together and players are in a a capable position and are fit enough to play, then they have a good chance of going at least 8-8. And And in the NFC, which is just a dogfight, getting to Mm. 9-7, you could be in the wild card and with a game manager like Jimmy G and some of the talent they've got on this team they could they could win a playoff game I think they're definitely well, they're to me they're kind of boomer bust it's like you said they that could be terrible but if they can get it to work and it's Kyle Shanahan and look what he made yes. look what he did with Mullins I I'm very optimistic for this team if, if you are Kyle, Kyle Shanahan and you've had to deal with C.J. Beathard um, for, as your quarterback for the last couple of seasons and Nick Mullins stepping in as well, like, if, if you get someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, who people assume is still a big step up from those players, then and the fact that you've added to the wide receiving core and your, uh, your offensive line's more stable... You've found uh, Gronk 2.0 and George Kittle. Your defense is coming together. It's the, this is one of the most rapidly upward-trending teams in the NFL, I would say. Yeah, they have a very high ceiling. A really yes, black... but that, the ceiling is high, but how low is the floor, I think, is the, the one thing that people are a little uncertain of, uh, especially if injuries come back to bite them again. 
But I, I, I still see these guys being successful. But then they're in that really, really tough NFC West. So that's a, that's a division which is having to play against, uh, is it the AFC North as well? So if you're having to play, if you're San Francisco and you're playing against uh, your entire division, which is the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals, as well as the Browns, Steelers, Ravens, and uh, help me out here. Bengals. Uh, sorry, Bengals. They have to. So the Bengals. They have to yeah, okay, win so their games that's, against that's, the Cardinals that's why, and Bengals. <laughs> that's that's why I forgot who was there because who, who really gives a crap about the Bengals at the moment? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, Bengals fans. Uh, that's another team that we should maybe have uh, nope. shoved in nope. in our previous one, nope. but nope. Okay. <laughs> AJ Green's going to be traded. Enough. It's over. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, what's like? What's going to happen here? It's a, a really upward-looking team who are going to be stuck behind uh, some other excellent teams. Or are they going to make that leap? I think it's more likely they'll make the leap. Like They'll beat... They'll have to beat the Cardinals home and away. I think they can mm-hmm. steal a game against the Rams at home. They can definitely steal both games against the Seahawks. And the rest of the games, they just have to be competitive in. And I think this team is competitive. Um, mm-hmm. I just I remember watching that NFL Films documentary about Garoppolo's like second game for them, where they what they were like one and two and twelve in his second mm. game, and he came out and he was speaking to the defense about look, I can't remember who they were playing, but he was like look they're gonna throw a slant and then they're gonna run it and then they're gonna try and lob it over the top, so just make sure you're ready for it. They run it every time, and literally they went out slanted it ran and then tried to hit the the long ball and the defender intercepted it and came back over and handed the ball to Garoppolo. And literally <laughs> he had been saying to his his players on the sideline, he's like, look, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. We're going to get to the end zone in six plays and we're going to win this game with the last kick of the ball. And he did it perfectly. And everyone was just going, oh, it's, you know, maybe... Everyone in the comments like, oh, Garoppolo, he seems all right. You know, he seems quite clever. You know, this wasn't a very hard game to win. They made it look hard. And then they went and won another four (laughs) games in a row. Yeah. So I think we're forgetting, it's kind of recency bias, but I think we're forgetting what he can be. What he's capable of. Yeah. Mm. He is not Brady, but he is a player that's that cerebral, that onto it, is watching the game at such a level that if he is on the field, you have a chance to win. Kind of similar to Andrew maybe he, maybe he just got the same maybe he just got the same backhanded uh, dirty contact oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. from Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah, 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 yeah. He has the potential, and I think if you've got him in your team, then you have a great chance to to do something. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if he gets well, injured, it's over. The, the season's up the pulley if if Garoppolo's gone. So. Mm. Uh, okay, and I'll tell you what. How about I'll I'll run through the Forty ers schedule for you here, and you just total up off the top of your head right now, how, like what you think their win total is going to be. Okay. Okay. So uh, we'll start in week one with the Buccaneers. Win. Then, okay. Bengals. Win. Steelers. Homer away. Uh, away. Lose. Okay. Browns. 
Homer away. Away. Seventeen all draw. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a half right there. Okay. No, I think they'll. Uh, lose. I think they'll lose at the um, at Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, Rams at home. Win. Ooh. Uh, Redskins at home. Win. Panthers away. Lose. Cardinals at home. Win. Uh, Seahawks away. Oh, could be anything. Toss of a coin. Say for the okay, so for history, I'd say lose. Okay. Uh, Cardinals away. Win. Packers away. Lose. Mm. These random teams they're playing are hard. Yeah. Uh, Ravens at home. Gonna say lose. Really? Okay. Well. Uh, uh, Saints at home. What what week are we in? Uh, fourteen. Win. Okay. Uh, I'm expecting the Saints have it wound up, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, Falcons away. Lose. Rams away. Lose. And Seahawks at home. Win. So you have them down as an. Eight and a half win team. So what I said. That's, about, that's about as middle of the road as you can get, really, uh, without being a fully eight and eight. So that's still an improvement on last season. Um, we're probably going to have to uh, start taking notes of what we <laughs> what we anticipate for the season and just see how right we are uh, at some point. Or maybe make that an exercise out of that at some point. But yeah, I, th- I think eight, eight wins for this 49ers team at this juncture is probably fair, but they can... you can't you, you can see it going a couple either way, just depending on how the season breaks. I think that if you look at the way they team build and they've done well, they've spent the money this year to get Quan and D Ford, and if next year they come in and finish middle of the pack and get like the 15th pick and can pick up someone like Wilkins, someone similar to Wilkins this year. Mm-hmm. You know, just start picking up good players. Like, can't miss players, you know, from Clemson, Alabama, Michigan. Players that do well, you know. just Winners. So, yeah, just start picking up players you know are going to be able to help. Like, if they can get another, get a right-sided McGlinchey, another one, then they're set. I think they're set. <laughs> And then they can trade for a wide receiver like an AJ Brown or something like they AJ Green, sorry. Like they mm. they are nearly there, in my opinion. They just have to do well enough this year to keep the interest, keep the players on their toes. And Seahawks are just I, I, part of me is like with the contract that Wilson's got and the age of some of the players, I just the Seahawks are there for the taking. Mm-hmm. So they just have to keep being competitive and being part of the conversation. I think they're gonna they're gonna put together a run, especially if Shanahan's involved. Yeah, I I certainly feel that this could be the year that they really put it, like start putting it together, and everyone says, okay, no, this is a this is a real a real team now. Uh, like I say, we've seen flashes uh, with Garoppolo's involvement, uh, but now that he has a better supporting cast around him. Yeah, it seems to be uh, moving in the right direction very quickly. Yeah, and that's all you can ask. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I think that's probably going to do it for today. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to add to, to, to what we've said so far? No, I'm just looking forward to the season starting. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Hi, what's, what's the... I'm really not that worried. Unless there's like major injuries in the preseason, I'm not that worried about the preseason this year. I just want to go all in on fantasy and getting the, the, um, the actual season underway. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs>